The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. The views and opinions expressed in the commentaries and or interviews in the following program are solely those of the individuals and are not views of Poppy Chulo Radio, its parent, affiliate, or subsidiary companies. Welcome to The Waking Dream, a poppychuloradio.com original series. Poppychulo Radio, pop culture on demand. Today is Monday, August 29th, 2022, and I am your host, Vincent Hatcher. During this podcast, we will be having an in-depth discussion on Netflix's The Sandman. Please welcome my co-hosts. She's returned from fighting a nightmare, Priscilla Obregon. I am The Sandman. Hi, everybody. <laughs> Yes, I knew and it. Jeffrey Ruse. Hey, listeners, welcome back. Wakey, wakey. Maybe some eggs and bakey this time. If Priscilla brought it with her. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's jump into our discussion of Season 1, Episode 8, which was titled Playing House and debuted on August 5th, 2022 via Netflix. Here is the official synopsis of the episode. As Morpheus closes in on one of his missing creations... Rose ramps up efforts to locate her brother and unwillingly makes a friend's dream come true. And so we continue from a dollhouse with Playing House, and we begin right where Episode 7 left off. Rose has just arrived in Dream's palace and has a lot of questions. Dream welcomes the girl, and Lucienne explains that Rose somehow dreamed her way into the palace. We kind of touched on this to kind of bridge the two episodes at the end of the last recording, but long story short, Dream reveals that he believes that one of his nightmares, Galt, the state, the I almost said the 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 shape snatcher, the shape shifter, <laughs> might have taken her brother, and they decide that they are going to work together because he believes that together they can solve both of their problems. And we find a little bit more about what in the world a dream vortex is. That term was thrown a lot around last episode. We heard it multiple times. We got a little bit of teases as to what it is. But we learned a little bit more about how a dream vortex is a mortal being that is born with the ability to travel through folks' dreams. They are a being that possesses great power in the form of being able to either expand and make more beautiful the world of dreams and men or utterly destroy it and so you know not a lot of weight on rose's role or responsibility power at all no no, no pressure and uh morpheus is hopeful the two of them can work together and they begin their relationship and we then find ourselves in the presence of Galt, who is sitting in a very underground lair type environment with some machinery, and she notices that something is about to happen, and we quickly see her shape-shifting from her iridescent self into the form of Miranda, Jed and Rose's mother. And Jed comes down in the basement, and they have a very, like, Batman and Bruce Wayne slash Alfred type relationship where... Galt Miranda or Garanda is <laughs> situated. I, yeah, you like that? I just came up with that. 
<laughs> it was magical. Thank you. Garanda operates this uh, slightly archaic comical machine that lets them know what villain is coming around. And we find out that the Pied Piper is who Jed, as the Sandman, is up against. And they are tracking him. And Jed, as the Sandman in his yellow and red ensemble, is out in the street. A street that might look familiar. It might not. We'll talk about that in a moment. And he's waiting for the Pied Piper to show up. And he's talking to Galt through, I'm guessing, an earpiece when a bunch of rats come up out of the sewer, and come after him. He's initially like, it's okay, I got this. But then he gets bitten by a rat. Jed wakes up, and he's brought back to reality from the dream of being a superhero with a legit rat biting his hand. He is in the basement. He's in a very poor-quality sleeping bag in the shitty basement of Clarice and Barnaby's house. He tries knocking on the door, but Barnaby, who is sitting at the kitchen table with his wife Clarice, forces her to stay silent. Now, we talked last episode about how much we really wanted to call CPS, like, legit for real <laughs> on this on this whole situation. Did that feeling continue? Priscilla, since you were returning from a brief absence fighting your nightmare, what did you think of Jed's poor situation of Rose and Dream's business relationship, learning what the Dream Vortex is? How are you feeling about it all? Oh, my God. I, when I saw that rat bite the kid, I was like, I would have turned into a collector and like of rats and just destroyed the shit out of everything. I was I'd be so scared and pissed. Like, oh, my God, that was nasty. <laughs> I hated it. And I just reminding me of how shitty his situation is. I feel so bad for Jed. Like. We saw in the last episode he tried to escape and he can't. And, like, how are you going to escape in a basement that you're locked down in? Like, I I just, I feel so bad for the kid. I'm like, did did the foster people not look him up? Did they not take (laughs) care of him? What the fuck? They just left him. But But as it made sense when... When we were watching this and my husband just turns to me and goes, Florida. And I was like, yo. <laughs> how dare you? But how accurate. I was going to say, Jeff, do you feel burned? Yeah, well, I mean, it's accurate. Yeah. Just look at our governor. Hello. <laughs> What's that old man, the man from Florida meme? Oh, yeah. <gasps> Mr. Mar-a-Lago? Yeah. <laughs> no, we're talking about someone else. <laughs> I just remember the guy that was on bath salts eating someone's face at one point. Yes. he. That was here. Jeff Dixon. I try. That's why I never leave the house. <laughs> well, well, I'm glad that you're safe because now you can tell us what you thought about our intro. Well, let me say, I was like, once we saw the whole situation in which Jed was in, my mind immediately went to uh, was what we saw at the end, like a Galt sort of simulation because we know that Galt is a nightmare. So I was like, was that a nightmare? But then when he wakes up, I was like, oh, no, he's actually in hell when he's awake. And in the nightmares, you know, he's he's like living his best life as a superhero. I was like, all right, well, that sucks. <laughs> I mean, poor kid. <laughs> oh, God, I can't even imagine. Like, I, like, I don't... 
even want to be in the general vicinity of a rat. So just waking up with a rat biting you, that's almost like being woken up and like a cockroach is like, you know, skedaddling on your leg or something. Like you don't want any of that shit to happen. So that was horrific by itself. The dream was interesting, though, because it was just, I mean, it's every little kid's dream being sort of like a superhero with powers. So I thought that was kind of cool. But yeah, just the waking up part. Mm-mm-mm-mm. No bueno. Even on a day that like I know I have to get up early for work, like tomorrow, and I know I might have a hard time waking up, I might go to some extreme lengths to wake myself up, but I would never in the world, even like, even if I was going to get fired if I didn't make it, would, would want a rat to be the thing waking me up by biting me. No, absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. I squealed a little bit when that happened and we were watching it. I was like, oh, God. Uh, uh. <laughs> but, you know, I, I definitely found it interesting that, you know, we have this whole setup because it's like, how much power does a nightmare have, right? Like, She's clearly working for some reason to create this, and she's doing a bang-up job, and outside of Dream's awareness, so that really was interesting to me, that these nightmares have so much autonomy, and they have the ability to come up with so much power that they can like do things outside of Dream's purview, and... It kind of makes me wonder about his old management style. Like, maybe he needs to, like, go to some leadership training on delegation and not delegating too much. (laughs) All right. So we checked in with Jed. He's got his Sandman, Batman-like type thing going on and the, the mommy dearest of it all going on with Uncle Barnaby. But let's check back in with Rose. You know, we left off Rose. She was in Florida. She was in her house of interesting companions. She is still on a quest to find her brother. And we check in with Rose, waking up from her dream in the real world and calling Unity to let her know that she's going to be staying in Florida a little bit longer to find Jed. And during this conversation, Unity reveals that there is a journalist from America that is interviewing her. And... Just a very quick segue. I want to see if either of you two caught it. Before it was revealed who it was, did the reveal of the sleeve reaching into the scene put you two onto who it was? Um, No, because once she said there's a journalist here, I was like, okay, I know who that is. (laughs) Like, I didn't even need to see anything. I was like, I know exactly who that is. And the funny thing that I was going to be like, joke's on you, bitch. She's not even fucking there. Right. (laughs) Priscilla, did you? Oh, yeah, I figured it out right away, like, without even hearing him. When he, she's like, a journalist is here, I'm like, that is too awkward a timing. That is too perfect right. a timing for it not to <laughs> It's interesting because a couple of my friends, like, they actually didn't realize until the sleeve. They were like, he always wears the same jacket, I feel like, so that's when I knew. But I'm with you, too. Mm. Like, the moment she was, like, journalist, I was like, that is too fucking convenient that just now all of a sudden there is a journalist who wants to talk to you. Yeah, it's the Corinthian. (laughs) And it was, it was the Corinthian who, while he may be very good at planning, he is not the most timely with his arrivals as was pointed out because Rose is not there, but uh, the Corinthian has a brief conversation with unity about where Rose is. And he's like, you know, I'll have to visit Cape Kennedy at some point foreshadowing question mark, but 
he's able to get that location and that is what he wanted and so for now that is all from our friend the corinthian back at the bnb rose has printed out some flyers and her roommates are all willing to help, which she did not expect. Ken and Barbie take some. Chantal and Zelda take some. Hal offers to help. So going back to what Jeff commented on in the last episode, she's now, once again, wherever Rose goes, she creates family. And she's got this new group of people who really are all supportive of her finding her brother. So they take some flyers. And meanwhile, Lita is still not awake yet. Because Lita is continuing to dream upstairs. She's asleep. She's having a dream of being with her husband, Hector. And they're talking about how when she wakes up, he keeps working. And she's very taken aback. She's like, wait, so you're doing things when I'm gone and I'm not sleeping dreaming about you? And he's like, yeah, I'm building our dream house. And he takes her to this dream house and shows her. And in the dream house, there's a nursery that they never got to use when she was awake. And... Lita is very understandably rather confused as to why he would build a nursery because he's dead slash a dream and she's still in the living world. But he's convincing her, hey, you know, this this could be a thing. This could happen. We could have this life if you stay with me. And you can tell that she's intrigued. We'll see what happens with that. Because she comes to her senses and she wakes up for now. And she offers to help with the flyers as Rose comes in to check on her. And she decides she will take the half of the town where the the adoption agent was after Rose's last run-in did not go so well. And uh, so our friends all go around and go out in town to start helping to spread these flowers. And now we journey back to the Dream Realm. Because Dream is also looking for details about Rose after his conversation and agreement with her. And Lucienne arrives to let him know about Unity Kincaid, being the sole survivor of the sleepy sickness. And bum, 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 the great-grandmother of Rose. Lucienne is on to something, maybe. At least she thinks she is. She insinuates that Dream's imprisonment, his lack of presence performing his function, might have been what caused the generation of the Dream Vortex, a.k.a. Rose Walker. She has this hypothesis that him not being around, his presence being gone, kind of forced it to happen. Dream, meanwhile, is kind of like, and eh, no, they they don't happen like that. They're not caused. They're not made. They just naturally occur. I don't think that poppycock. And he dismisses it. He's rather kind of douchey about it in the way that he like adamantly refuses that that is a possibility. And we see a little bit of the old dream who was not as human-y. He's a little bit more like one-dimensional in the fact of like, no, I'm right. This is how it goes. And it's a rather terse interaction. And it's kind of like, okay, um, but we'll leave it, you know, and, and they, they kind of get through it. And we go back to Rose and Hal, and they're now walking through uh, Rose's childhood neighborhood, and they're talking a little bit and sharing a little bit about each other. She's talking about her past with her father, and Hal's talking to her about how, you know, he wanted to go to Broadway and be a big actor, but that didn't work. His grandmother died, so he came back to Florida to take over the bed and breakfast in the house, and that's what he's been doing. And there's a very interesting little exchange later in the episode that calls back to this. Um, but while they're doing this, Lita has returned to the foster agency. 
And she has apologized to Eleanor Rubio, the foster agent, on Rose's behalf. And she's not asking for information. She just wants to explain that Rose was grieving and took it out on her. It wasn't personal. But she also makes a comment. Could you, like, check in on Jed and see if he's okay? Like, just don't you do that? And kind of plants a seed. And after she walks out the door, Eleanor does decide to make a practical checkup. So she calls Barnaby and Clarice and lets them know that she's coming to do a checkup. And they are obviously very worried and very concerned because this came out of nowhere. And Barnaby threatens to break every bone in Jed's body if he misbehaves. But if he behaves, he can sleep in his own room tonight. And we visit once more back to Hal and Rose. And he's continuing to share his story. And he walks away to hand out some more flyers. Rose gets some privacy. And she sees a raven which is someone she confuses for Matthew and walks up and tries to talk to or talk to it. And Matthew calls from further in a gazebo and says, that's actually a crow. I'm over here. And they start to have a little bit of a conversation about their plans to work with dream and his dream seeing everything. And during this, the Corinthian is shown nearby and he overhears the entire conversation and he meets Hal on the beach Let's stop here. Let's talk about everything that just happened. This is a very suspenseful moment, and we had a lot going on. What do we think of Hector, the dream, him working afterwards, and everything that came after? Jeff, start us off. Okay. I like Lita. I think she is such a sweet and kind character, and that's why I'm worried for her. Because this whole thing with Hector still being alive, in air quotes, in the dream world, and living his best life, that makes me worried for her. Uh, because I'm like, something's going on. Is this a desire situation where something's going on? And I just, I, I don't like it for Lita because I feel like, you know, Lita, you in danger, girl. Like, this is just not going to end well for you, at least in my mind, because it, it's not normal. You know, this isn't a normal thing. Like, you know, yeah, so I'm worried. I can't say anything else because there's something big that happens and I have my own opinion about that. <laughs> but um, I do feel like, it's a desire situation, and uh, when we talk about what happens, I think that's proof that it's a desire situation. So there's that when it comes to Lita. I also did like that she went back. I don't know if she necessarily needed to apologize, because I don't really feel like Rose was that rude. But I did like that she went and she planted the seed, and um, clearly, uh, you know, things were going to go down in um in the real world in regards to what she said to the the head of the the foster agency once again whenever i see anybody that is nice around the corinthian i get worried for them i was worried for that man in the previous episode and then i was worried with how because once again, there was a little bit of flirtation with the Corinthian, and I was like, oh, do, 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 do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I will strike from the record what you said in regards to the Corinthian hearing everything. 
I feel like the Corinthian was much more uh. worried about like, oh shit, oh shit, his raven is here, his raven's involved already, oh shit, oh shit, let me skedaddle before the raven sees me. So I don't think he actually specifically paid attention and heard everything that Rose was saying to Matthew. That's just my opinion. I could be wrong, and that could be proven wrong in the next episode or two. And what else? What else? Everyone helping her with the the flyers, that was really sweet. Once again, just this community that has developed at the bed and breakfast. I thought all of that was really nice. Dream and what you said in regards to his old self popping up, that to me was like a red flag. Because I've been rooting for Dream, I've been rooting for his evolution, and maybe a little bit like a touch of humanity coming inside of him, and him expressing it, and then it just all, like, disappeared in a puff of smoke, or in a sandstorm, and I didn't really like that at all. Um, We haven't gotten into the conversation about change, right? No. Okay, so then that's all that I will say about that. I'm over here snickering like a fifth grader. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, because you know the comics, right? No, because that's... <laughs> so uh, last episode, we made the joke about if he dreams it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you just said coming inside him. I was like, oh, fifth okay. grader! You're a child. <laughs> I am immature listeners. I fully, I fully admit it. As am I. So Priscilla, and I was think, I thought about it as I was saying it, but I was like, I, I don't want to veer off of what I was saying. <laughs> <laughs> so Priscilla, what we're getting from this is that uh, Jeff has some trust issues and he's becoming a little bit of a conspiracy theorist. What about you? So I've read the comics and I know what yeah. happens, but um, I'm just saying that I feel so bad for the kid. Like, I, I love, like, the dreams that, that he has, but when he wakes up and he's in the house with the guy and the guy's like, if, he do, if you don't pay attention and do what I say, like, I'm going to break every bone in your body. I was like, oh, no, not my baby. He's beautiful. Don't touch him, you jerk. Oh, God, I feel, I, 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 I get, the, the way Jeff gets anxious for um, anyone that's nice to the Corinthian, that's how I feel about Jed. Like, I, I hate that guy. I hate him. So, Which means they cast him really well. He looks like an evil Dennis Quaid or something. Yes. But, um, yeah, what what else are we supposed to talk about? Because... Everything. Oh, Lita. Yes. <laughs> Lita. Watching this, watching her with her... I'm going to call him her husband because even dream husband just seems too long. But um, her with her husband, I felt like a kinship to her because having been recently married, I'm just kind of like if I lost my husband and I had the chance to see him in dreams, I would never wake up. Never. I would stay in dreams to be with him. So just watching her be so happy but like go back for her friend i was like dang like that that shows some like some strength of will like why don't you just stay in a coma for to be with your husband jeez that's that's crazy and i'm not going to get further into it cuz we'll talk about it once we reach it but this mm-hmm. whole episode this whole like arc 
makes me feel exactly what Jeffrey feels. It's like this has to be something that desire and um, despair hooked up between both of them because to have it be that perfect to have her dream of something so perfect is like a bubble that's going to burst. It's just not going to be a good thing. Indeed. The the paranoia and fear for our characters is valid because I feel it too. And I know what's coming, you know, and at least if they keep it, you know, true to the comics. But in the moment, you, you definitely feel it. Like you're invested in the characters. And like one of the things that I, I mentioned in the last episode, Priscilla, is I feel like I'm glad that they, you know, Lita has this because I feel like otherwise she would have been a very throwaway character. But like this arc for her and the dream husband and like all of that, it really fleshes her out. And it's just another iteration of like they've done such a great job with all these characters. And I know we're a broken record because all of us keep saying it. But, you know, in, in this episode for me, I, I even – you know, after the little tidbit that we got with Clarice and Barnaby and Jed at the very end, like my heart went out and was like, oh, my God, oh, my God. And I, I know, you know, because of the comics, but it's reading the comics for me is like one experience because you're playing it out in your head. But now seeing it visually represented in the medium of film, it's so fascinating to watch, you know, to see what's different from what I might have pictured versus what was on the page. But most importantly, it's done in such a way that it feels true and it's been so enjoyable to watch. You know, I do find myself, even though I know what's coming, sitting on the edge of my seat sometimes. Do you, Priscilla? I forget what what happened in the comics and I just get like enthralled in this world. Yes. And I I forgot to mention this, but I'm glad that we stopped after Death's episode because the next episode that just came, the the two that we're talking about now. They feel different. They even though they're written by the same person, even though they're mm-hmm. written by Gaiman, like they feel like a different sort of dream. And it's not a bad dream, but like it's it's just more almost happy go lucky, more dreamlike than the first than the first couple of episodes mm-hmm. were. Because the characters are yeah. just they're so crazy that like you wonder like am I in a dream or am I in reality? Like they're, they're just, yep. it's, it's a perfect fantasy. Oh yeah. The tonal shifts have been really interesting coming from like the beginning of like a really dark place. And, you know, we still have dark places, but we're getting more spots of light. I agree with you on that 100%. However, Jed's checkup with Miss Rubio was not a spot of light. It seemed like it was going to be. We see her sitting with Clarice and Barnaby and Jed. They're having a great conversation Barnaby is putting on his best, I'm a good foster dad persona, and Jed is really hoping to get a moment alone with Miss Rubio, but it doesn't play out because she wants a moment alone with Clarice and Barnaby, and he tries to sneak a note into Eleanor's purse, and he succeeds, he drops it in there, and he's like, cool, maybe I have my way out, and he's really, really hoping, really, really hoping. Unfortunately, though... We're led to believe it works, but it didn't. Rubio returns to her office. But before we get to that, let's kind of talk about what happens with Jed. Uh, Unfortunately, they know that he did it, and he's going to pay for it a little later. And we're going to find out what happens with all of that. But previously, we saw the Corinthian, and we knew he was going to go somewhere. We knew, well, he talked to Hal. They had a nice little interaction, and he got a flyer, and I was scared to death for Hal. I was worried for him, but Hal survived. 
he handed the flyer to the Corinthian and the Corinthian walked away and Rose came back and Hal and Rose walked away safe. However, Miss Rubio is not about to be that safe because the Corinthian put two and two together. He found his way to Rubio's place and he is about to do what the Corinthian does. Rubio goes in. We find out the bag was not in her purse, or was it? Because we never get to find out if she found it, because the Corinthian shows up as she's digging into her purse. And he proceeds to kill her and wants to find out about where Jed is, and he reads Jed's file. And that's when we also find out, it turns out Barnaby noticed the notes. He removed it without Eleanor noticing somehow. If Jed was cool and calm about getting it in there and very sneaky, Barnaby must have been even more to be able to get it out of her purse again. I would have liked to see how that happened. <laughs> but Jed's got some repercussions from that. Rose, in the meantime, is back at the bed and breakfast with Hal, and she's talking about moving back. And Hal's like, no, don't do that. Go do your things. He lets her know that it all might seem fine and dandy, but if if I got a call from Broadway tomorrow... I would never look back. I would never think about these people again. Ken and Barbie are great. I love them, but I would forget them in a heartbeat to have my dream come true. And that's an interesting little bit of a breadcrumb trail because Rose goes to bed and she finds herself in Hal's dream where he is watching himself perform on stage, also sitting in bed. His out-of-drag self is in bed watching himself perform in drag. His drag persona proceeds to uh, give themselves a facelift to the point they rip their face all the way off, revealing out-of-drag house face. And then they rip that face off to show skin, muscle, and tendon. And Rose is kind of beginning to freak out a little bit, and she goes to leave, and Dream Howl notices her and calls out her name, but she runs through a door, and she finds herself going through various dreams of her roommates. And we see... Ken and Barbie having an interesting interaction where Barbie's in the car and Ken's trying to get in because he's naked. And we don't really get the full context of that. And we see a young Chantal walking through a graveyard wearing her wedding veil that she wears and or the, her funeral, funereal, I can't say that word, funereal veil. And she's having a good time in the graveyard. Uh, we get to see Chantal or Zelda reading a sentence in front of the Library of Congress. Uh, and Rose meets up with Dream. And they're in the graveyard with Chantal, and he's telling her that Chantal is happy here. He's talking to her about traveling and walking through and finding her own path. And he encourages her to focus on her powers and enable her to do so to find Jed's dream. And they find themselves on the street that I mentioned earlier might have looked familiar because it is the street where she grew up. We also got a call back to that with Howell and her walking around. There was a moment where they were walking around her childhood streets. But now Rose and Morpheus are on the street, and they are near her house. And Galt, as Garanda, notices this and realizes that the time that she had feared is come. Dream is here, and he wants her back. And Rose is here, and she wants Jed back. So Galt does the only thing that she can think of, and she convinces Jed that the man in the poor resolution video is the king of nightmares, and that he must be fought, but only by her. She is the only one that can face him. But Jed is the Sandman, and he is powerful. He has his sand. He thinks he can take this down, get this foe, and Jed tries to go confront them, and he's there, and... Well, 
it's not exactly going the way that I think anyone plans, per se. Galt also shows up, and she reinforces that Jed is something that, you know, she, she really, he's got an abusive life. She wants it. To, she doesn't want him to have to go back to that. And Dream is hearing none of it. Rose is like, Jed, Jed, Jed. Jed is still in his Sandman persona. But Dream tells Galt that, no, this is not the way that it's meant to be. You can't live in the world of dreams. And he rather forcefully transforms Galt back into her true self in front of Jed. And much to the shock and dismay of the fake Sandman. And he tells her that she has to go. She has a teary goodbye to Jed. And Jed and, and Rose have a equally almost teary reunion of happiness as well. And she's trying to get him to tell her where he is. But Dream decides, eh, you know, no, it's time to go. Time to wake up. And he wakes Jed up before Rose can figure out from her brother where he actually is. He screams her name from the basement. Barnaby is about to discipline him. And the doorbell rings. Miss Rubio has arrived. Priscilla, did this go down how you expected it to go down? I know you've read the comics, but just from being enthralled and in the moment, how did you feel? And... Did you feel bad for Galt? Oh, God. The whole, this is whole a whole mishmash of tragedies. Because I was like, yes, kid, you, you, you got the, the letter to, to, the, to the lady. You'll be free. And then, no, it's not going to end this way. That would be too simple. That would be right. too right. And when the, the foster father is like, nope. I got the thing. Your your bones are about to be broken. Get in the, the basement. I'm like, no, dream really happy dreams because you're going to have a nightmare pretty soon in real life. And when he still had the dreams and he's like, I am the Sandman. I was like, this is adorable. And even, the, even Morpheus, whose face never breaks, he never smiles for anything, smiled when he saw the Sandman. That was... <laughs> Adorable. I loved it. And when the the nightmare came up and like was revealed to be a nightmare, he wasn't scared of her, which is probably something that she has wanted for so long because she wants to be a dream. She wants to inspire. She wants to create hope for people and make it a happy place. So even though she's unmasked, the the kid still loves her. And that's that's beautiful. And oh god, I hated the scene where Morpheus turns back into the dick Morpheus and this like doesn't like punishes the nightmare. I was like, why? Why do you have to be that way? You've grown so much from being trapped. Why did you regress into being a dick again? Ah. And if for a brief second, I'm like, you deserve everything Desire did to you because you're an asshole for doing that. All she wants is to dream, and you ruined that. So Lucien's face, her disapproval, completely got where she was coming from. I was pissed. And the Corinthian, oh my god! Like, I love the fact that they ca- they panned out of the camera and they showed the, the file instead of showing what he does with the eyes. But we can all assume he either, like, sticks them in his face because he's got, like, empty holes there or he eats them. But, like, 
the fact that like it's left up in the air is awesome. I love it. It's just it's it's great. Ooh, agreed. Jeff, what about you? Did you uh did you think Morpheus has what Desire did come into him because of all this? Kind of. I mean, he hasn't learned, and that's the thing that I that I mentioned before. Like it seemed as if he was learning to be a much more compassionate person. But I, I didn't like this moment at all. Like, I understand, you know, you need these beings back in your realm. But the way that he did it without even listening to her was really disappointing. Um, I'm going to tiptoe into the next conversation because you haven't mentioned it yet, but I know it's coming. But like, <laughs> Well, Priscilla already did too, so you're totally fine. <laughs> okay, because Lucien and Dream have this entire conversation about change. And change can happen because the the general conceit of what Galt was saying was, you know, I am a nightmare, but I'm tired of being a nightmare. Like, I want to bring joy. Like, I want to bring a, bring dreams to life. Like, that's what I was doing with Jed. You know, I, I want to be a dream. And uh, Morpheus slash dream is basically like, you can't, you know, you can't change. You are what you are, and you are a nightmare because that's how you were created. And so Lucien basically says, you know, you've changed a little bit. You know, change can happen. I changed. I wasn't always a librarian. And he sort of took it as almost like insubordination-like. You know, all right, that's nice, but go back to doing what you were doing, and I'm going to do what I'm, do- what I'm doing, and, uh, you know... That's how it's always been, and it's not going to change, is basically what he said. And I found that to be an incredible character regression. Um, Maybe it's just Dream being Dream. And, you know, we have seen in the past on other shows, when villains get their redemptive arc, you know, it takes a moment for the redemption to stick. Sometimes they regress a little bit. So this could be Dream you know, having a little bit of character development, but then regressing to his old self. And then maybe in the final two episodes, we'll see him embrace the change within. But it's a little frustrating right now because, you know, I was rooting for him and now he's back to his old self. So there's that. The Corinthian killing the foster care lady... I mean, I'd rather it be you than some of the denizens at the bed and breakfast. So <laughs> I was kind of okay with it. Whether he eats the eyes or puts them into his empty eye sockets, I don't know. Part of me kind of wants to see it because it's gross. And if I'm being honest, I know Priscilla has a whole thing with the eyes. So hearing her kind of squirm about it would be kind of wonderful. <laughs> Sorry, Priscilla. Oh, I know you get evil. the eye thing. <laughs> I'm evil, but anyway. So it might be kind of cool to see it, just for Priscilla's reaction. But um, we're not seeing it, so it's like it's up to our imagination. And I feel like our imagination is probably worse than what it is. He might be sticking one into his eye socket and eating the other one or something. I don't know what he's doing. Maybe he shoves him up his nose. Who knows? But um, the nose knows. But and all of that is 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 just it's cool. Like the sound effects like that happens. Yes, just beautiful, beautiful, <laughs> magical, beautiful. The whole thing with the dreams that was interesting. I mean, we were sort of told 
by Dream that she was going to be able to enter Dreams. So seeing her enter the dreams of the people that she cares about was nice. I'll be honest, I didn't really understand Hal's dream. Because I understood, you know, Hal was in his drag persona and then whips his face off and then all of a sudden it's him hiding underneath her. I didn't understand why he pulled the other layer out. And maybe it's just dreams being weird. But I feel like always dreams are symbolic. And um, I, I was trying to sort of correlate that with the conversation that he had. And I, I couldn't make the correlation. I don't know if either of you could. And I might just, be able to. Pardon? I might be able to. But oh, I'll okay, wait until okay. you're done. Okay. I, I'm almost done. Um, all the other dreams were fascinating. Like the Barbie and Ken one. Because clearly as... Um, as rosy and cheery as everything seemed between them in the previous episode, there were some cracks in the foundation in this episode, and that dream uh, <laughs> was a big crack. And I'm saying that as, you know... Pun intended? He was naked in the thing. It was, there was no pun intended, but now there is a pun. Um, and then, uh, I mean, listen, <laughs> the fact that she walked in on... Uh, on Lita and her husband Bankin, I was like, that made me laugh, and and I love that everybody recognized her. They were like, wait, what are you doing here? Like, hey, it's you. Wait, wait hey, hey. Like, I thought that was really neat. Yeah, I imagine like the the trauma some of them might feel in the morning. Like, why was I dreaming about Rose while I was fucking my husband? Right. <laughs> as far as the how thing, and this is only because I I did drag once upon a time. Uh, and I got to, I didn't do it long, but I, I was friends with a bunch of lifelong drag queens. And it's just even the same thing, any any kind of performer, you sometimes run into this issue that you do something for so long or you do it so much that you start to lose the connection with who you really are. Mm. And a very common thing in drag is like drag queens tend to be more popular in, in makeup and then out of and so they start to have this personality disconnect with themselves and then even when they are out of makeup they start to struggle with like feeling i don't know who i really am like is the person that i wear when i have this face really me is this face really me or do i just not have an identity and so i think that's kind of where that was coming from was Hal's struggle with understanding who he is and what he wants what he really wants maybe that was how i correlated it I like it. We'll go with that. It makes sense. Well, we've already kind of ventured into this a little bit, so I'll kind of just touch on the, the major points of uh, what happens with Galt. Uh, but one thing that I will say is I, I agree that Dream definitely pulled a dickish move with getting Galt back. He also pulled a dickish move by ending that dream. Like, I was not happy. Yeah, 100%. Like, you would have thought once again, with his character development and that yeah. sort of thing, that he would have been a bit more compassionate. And, and that just went out of the window, especially because he used Rose yes. to get what he needed. So you would think, you know, okay, like, you gave me a solid, I'm going to give you a solid, and I will help you out. But no, he, he didn't care. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so... You know, there there was that. And maybe it's having his powers back and, you know, having coming off a few wins that he's getting a little, you know, falling back and regressing a little bit. Who knows? But, uh, yeah, I agree. It was interesting to see him regress. But 
You know, he did regress. He got Galt back into the palace. He had the conversation that we mentioned with Lucienne about how Galt wants to become a dream. She wants to change. And Dream just kind of conveniently forgot that he's changed. He apparently forgot his whole thing with Hob Gadling about becoming friends. And, you know, so it was a regression a bit uh, because he he is not only a dick, he's like a monumental dick. And he is very harsh with Galt and basically says, well, you're not going to be able to be something different. Maybe a few thousand years in utter darkness will make you change your mind. And he banishes her. We watch her disintegrate. And Lucian is not happy. And as Galt is disintegrating, she says, better to do that than to scare people. And so very heart-wrenching, very, very gut blow. Like, I felt really, really bad for her. But, you know, he has to, I guess he has to rule Dreamland with an iron fist sometimes, or at least he thinks he does. And so thus the arc of Galt playing superheroes with Jed is over. And we get back to Lita. We've talked about her a few times. It is time to talk about the big thing that happened with Lita. So Lita is back in the dream with her dead husband, and he's asking her to stay again. But he mentions that she is in his dream. They are not in a dream of her own. They're in a dream together, but it's his. And because of this, anything is possible. They can start a family. They can be together. And Lita is kind of like still kind of shocked, but you can tell she's starting to be won over by this concept, this idea. And she has a little bit of a development, goes through a little bit of a pregnancy inflation, and she is not turned off by this. She's very happy and looks down with joy, and she wakes up, and Rose is searching through the scraps of what Jed gave her from the dream, and she figures out the address of Barnaby and Clarice, and she goes to inform Lita through the door that she did that. She's like, are you going to come? And Lita's very slow to come to the door and Rose is impatient. And she just decides to go without her. And as Lita walks out of the room, we finally get to see that, uh, what dreams may come because she is pregnant in real life. Lita is showing just a wee bit. She's clearly been impregnated by her dream husband. And, we will have to see what happens with that, because that's where Lita's story ends this episode. Her dreams have come true. And the episode itself ends with poor Jed coming up out of the basement after the door is opened to find a mess where there was already kind of squalor. Uh, Clarice and Barnaby are nowhere to be seen, but the Corinthian walks out wipes his bloody hands on the back of his outfit, and he tells Jed, I'm here because your sister sent me. I'm going to help you get to her. And Jed trusts him, and they get in the car together. And as they're driving away, he's asking, how do you know my sister? And the Corinthian says, I don't. And shows him the flyer and says he's looking forward to meeting Rose. And they go out onto the open road together, for wherever this journey is going to take them next. Jeff, because you have no foreknowledge, I'm curious, where do you think Jed and the Corinthian are headed? I do have no foreknowledge. Um, well, I mean, my assumption is simple. I'm assuming they're, they're going to uh, Rose. 
That would be my assumption. Um, if I were to start brainstorming, because that sounds incredibly simple, maybe they're going to the serial killer convention. And that's, you know, because he wanted Rose to be there anyway. So maybe? Question mark? Um, all I know is, I mean, Jed, you were in a horrible situation with that horrible man. Now you're in another horrible situation with another horrible man. I don't feel like Jed is going to die. That uh, I hope he doesn't. Good grief, the poor kid has suffered. And I want to see a reunion between him and Rose. So... Uh, I, I don't think Jed will die. I think he will be reunited. I am a little bit worried just because I feel like anybody that's next to the Corinthian I should be worried about, especially if I enjoy the character. So uh, my hope is that wherever he ends up going, Rose will be there and she's going to kick some Corinthian ass. Yes, yeah. that would be awesome. He needs his comeuppance. Yes. And can I also <laughs> say, I am worried about Lita. Because I feel like this has to be a desire situation. Because in essence, what's being created is another dream vortex. Because this is what happened to Unity Kincaid. Except, um, well, at the time... We're, we're assuming that it was Desire that planted the seed in Unity Kincaid. Is Desire the husband? I don't feel like know. any of you can actually confirm anything, so maybe you shouldn't say anything. But now I'm thinking, is Desire Hector? Is Desire using Hector's visage to pull an okey-doke on... Lita to create another dream vortex. But why create another dream vortex when you already have one, unless you're nervous that this dream vortex isn't going to be as chaotic as you want the dream vortex to be? Because I don't think this dream vortex situation is going to end up the way Desire wants it to, based off of just Rose being so nice. And and even when uh, when Dream like gave her the warning, like you can create worlds, you can destroy them. I don't feel like Rose is going to be the destroying kind. Lita is so nice, so I hope that Lita's child wouldn't be the destroying kind either. Uh, but yeah, now I dr uh, desire. I've got my eyes on you because you're doing shifty and shady shit for no reason. He desires to know what you're up to. Right? I feel like Desire is bored. I just want to say that I am loving how much you have gotten sucked into the Dream Vortex yourself. I love it. I am in a Dream Vortex, <laughs> but I will find my way out of it. I've got a little pocket of sand, and I'll just, you know, I'll yes. do like Jed did. But all of it is just incredibly fascinating. The, uh, the Barnaby, I mean, I don't feel like Clarice should have died because at the end of the day she was abused as well i mean she was living in fear from her husband so she was you know sort of like the typical you know wife in an incredibly abusive situation and and she feels like she has no way out of it so i mean that was you know i i kind of felt for her 
but Barnaby needed to die, so I'm glad he's dead, dead, dead. Yes, agreed. They should have hit him with his own car or shot him with his own shotgun. Yes. But you know what? If anyone deserved a visit from the Corinthian, it was him. Bingo. <laughs> All right, Priscilla, you had already kind of ventured into this territory and talked about it. Anything else that you want to add or expand upon? I just wanted to say that people trust people a lot in this series. I was like, (laughs) y'all are fucking white. Even the little black boy is white as hell because he fucking trusts the (laughs) Corinthians. I was like, what? Why would you not lead with how do you know my sister instead of get in his car and then say, so how do you know my sister? He could be worse than your father. And to all of us who know him, he is. So, no, this this just proves all of you, all of y'all people who are watching this or who are listening to our podcast, ask the questions, ask the right questions, listen to what the fates tell you, because that's... No matter how desperate you are to get out of a situation, mm-hmm. do not get in a car with a Southern man who doesn't take his sunglasses off. Yep. And try and figure out why he's got stains on his pants or on his little <laughs> handkerchief. It should it should make sense. Things just don't magically happen for you. But oh my god, I hated that scene. That, like that that just ooh. And I know where it's going. So I'm like, oh, there's there, this is too much for me, man. But other than that, like going back, Lita's. Are, are we talking about what happened afterwards? Like the 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 the, the fruit baby? of the labor, I guess I should say. Yeah, we've covered the end of the episode, so everything is open season. Okay, that pregnancy. Oh my god, she. Do, do you not feel like maybe it's an incubus or something? Like, have you not read like any bad theories? Why do you assume that it's your husband? Like. Again, another trusting person who's just kind of like, oh, it's my husband's face. Yay! Let's jump into bed together. I'm like, (laughs) this is not good. Priscilla, I want you to start working on, like, videos about good practices for, like, how to avoid strangers, how not to get supernaturally impregnated. That could be a TikTok (laughs) series. (laughs) <laughs> yes. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know about you, but like, if I was having a dream and my belly, in, I mean, obviously being a man, it would be even more alarming, but like, my belly inflated like a tire, and I woke up and it was there, I would question some things rather than just jovially accept it. Mm-hmm. She was, just, she was too happy about that. I was like, I, I could understand her being like really accepting and being like, oh, my husband is back in dreams. Because in dreams, you're really stupid and you fucking do anything that's that's related yeah. to the plot. But afterwards, waking up and seeing the belly and her smiling, I was like, um, no, you should be freaking out right about now. <laughs> All right. So before we venture into question rounds, is there anything I missed or anything you guys want to talk about? Just one thing. Yeah. Also. Leave notes if you're going anywhere, because this all would have been helped a lot more had um, our dream vortex left a note to Lita about where she was going afterwards. Like, right? They are not the most conscientious and responsible people. <laughs> all right. So before we get into MVP and my other question. Priscilla, I had asked Jeff last episode, and I'm going to give you a chance to answer as well. We have seen a lot of villains, a lot of antagonists so far, 
And I am curious as to who is your one that you find the most fascinating and who is the one that is your favorite or that you want to see get their comeuppance the most? It can be the same. And I'll be nice. You can pick any of them since you weren't here last time. Cool. Um, it The most interesting to me is going to be the Corinthian. Just because you wonder, what does he do with those eyes? And how does he have the power to leave the dreaming? And why is he the way he is? Why is he happy as a nightmare, but Galt wasn't? Like, there's just so many questions that come up in the air with him. And he's just, the actor himself is really good at playing this version of um, the Corinthian, where he's kind of like a southern gentleman with, like, a twist. And the twist is he's a murderer. But, like, it's it's so good. And... I don't know, like, he, he just, he intrigues me. And the person I most want to see is comeuppance. God, that comeuppance this episode, baby. It was Barnaby. Fuck him. I hate him. Don't don't hurt little kids. Don't hurt cute little kids like Jed. What's wrong with you? Oh, when he came out in the first episode with the gun and threatened Clarice, I was like, I hope you die. I hope you die. And he, and when he gets, when, when he dies, literally the worst death with the Corinthian, I'm like, Yay, a nightmare brought justice to the world. <laughs> Netflix, do you hear that? Priscilla is clamoring for an unedited cut where we see the murder take place. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. So we're going to go into MVP. And then I have a question about predictions. So MVP, the most valuable player, which was the one that impressed you the most throughout this episode and why? Once they have been chosen, the rules are in effect. They cannot be selected again. So choose wisely. And I'm going to be selfish and I am going to go first. Dun, dun, dun. Plot twist. Bum, bum. <laughs> I'm going with Lucien. I think that Lucien provided a voice of reason and filth reading to sleep or to dream throughout this entire episode. When they had their interaction, she was his conscience. She was his reminder of the journey that he's been on. And while she may not have been as directly involved in all of the things that were happening, I think that she was really incredibly important because she is there to kind of stabilize dream when he starts venturing back into dictum. And I really enjoyed how she was kind of reminding him, like, you don't need to be like this anymore. You have changed. And she's kind of become like an advocate for the underdogs or the people that are getting like the bum deals. And I'm really excited to see if that pays off in the final two episodes. So that was mine. Priscilla, who's yours? Mine is Jed Walker. He was just so charming this episode, whether it was suffering as a little kid and your and your heart is just clamoring for him to be free from this nightmare and to be freed from a nightmare like it made you root for the villain that he was safe so it just twists everything around and he twists everything around so much that even his dream even his like innocent little portrayal as the sandman brought a smile to the guy who like never breaks morpheus so yeah jed walker for sure Excellent choice. Jeff? I'm going with Lita for this episode. Like, I'm rooting for you. I'm worried for you. I 
I, I, yeah, I feel like you got a vortex inside you now, but, uh, and I know you're happy about it, but good grief. Uh, yeah. Lita is, she's just so nice. She was there for Rose. She went and had the talk, which led to a whole bunch of stuff happening. And then she's trying to live her best life in her dream, you know? And I, I'm I'm worried for her, <laughs> but 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 I really enjoyed her portrayal in this episode. So uh, for me, my MVP is Lita. Excellent choices. All right. So before we rate the episode, we are now finishing episode eight. So we have two episodes left for the main series, and then we have our bonus episode. So in the last two episodes, I'm just curious: Do we have any predictions now? Priscilla, I know you and I have read the comics, so we kind of know the way things are going, and it's been a pretty fair adaptation so far. So (laughs) any predictions? Let's avoid spoilers. It's going to be hard for both of us. (laughs) But, Jeff, let's start with you. Um, Do you have any predictions on where you see things going from here as far as, like, resolutions with, like, the Corinthian and Sandman or callbacks to anything that we saw earlier in the series that we've been waiting on a payoff for or just crackpot theories? I don't feel like I have any predictions or even crackpot theories i'm i more so have hopes for what i hope we get before the season ends and uh clearly i hope that we get some sort of resolution with this like i feel like dream needs to know that desire has been behind everything so that i feel like has to be a major revelation that comes out within these next two episodes I also hope everything Desire plans goes to shit. So, and that dream survives it and and is triumphant, even though I'm not the happiest with dream right now. Um, I just don't want Desire to get a win. Sorry, Desire. Uh, and my hope also is that dream ends up getting that character development that we thought he had you know he's regressed a little bit he's got two episodes to get back into shape and to have a little glimmer of humanity inside of him so that would be nice based off of the fact that we were teased this serial killer convention i hope we see it i feel like we need to see that um and i want a rose jed and unity kincaid reunion that would be really nice and very sweet outside of that um i feel like just because she's such a big name we're gonna see gwendolyn christie again as lucifer i feel like that's an obvious situation i don't know if it's lucifer and desire teaming up uh um, that's interesting now that 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 just popped in my head that would be hot uh, but that would be interesting. I wonder if they are teamed up. Um, okay, stick a pin in that. We'll see if that, that ends up yeah. happening. Anything else? I just want resolution at the end. We have that bonus episode that we had no idea about when we started podcasting. Uh, I don't feel like that's a resolution-y type of thing. I feel like that's going to be standalone. So I hope that however the season ends in two episodes... It's somewhat satisfying, especially because we have no idea if there's going to be a second season on Netflix, but Mr. Gaiman has said that if Netflix does not pick it up, that he can shop it around. So there's that. 
I hope he's not expecting HBO Max to pick it up because Warner Brothers Discovery is <laughs> doing its whole situation. And this series looks expensive as fuck. And they're trying to save money by taking off the entire roster of Cartoon Network and the majority of Sesame Street from HBO Max. <laughs> so if, if they're really willing to kill children's programming and animation, I feel like they're not going to pick this shit up. So uh, maybe Amazon Prime. Right? I mean, Prime is fine doing all these big budget shows. They've got the Lord of the, Lord Rings, of the Rings. They've got Wheel of Time. I'd be here for that. Yes. All right, Priscilla. Any observations, predictions, theories, hopes, dreams? I am hoping to see more of the twins, more of Desire and Despair, because they're just so interesting. Like, even when Despair, like, touched her face with a little, like, scraper and it goes down, I'm like, doing that i would like to know more about you you're interesting so yes for sure and i'd love to see the serial killer convention as someone who liked the first season of dexter and hannibal like serial killers in like intrigue the shit out of me so i'd like to see that nice i personally and this might be because i just find it so hard to say anything without going into spoiler territory i just have one thing that i hope for And my hope is that we do get sort of a closing of the arcs, that we get an ending that isn't like a cliffhanger finale. We get an actual culmination of things. Maybe we'll get breadcrumbs for future stories, but I would like to see, you know, the, the, the arcs reach a point that heaven forbid that they don't do another season. We can walk away from it saying this has been such a great journey. It's got a beginning, a middle and an end. We're not left with ephemera out there that doesn't get closure. And I, I feel like I predict that's going to happen. I feel like they are going because the way that they've done the show so far, I do feel that they understand how long we have wanted this and that people like Jeff, who never read the comics, who are experiencing it for the first time, are enjoying it so much that we do deserve and we want an ending that you know gives us that closure to the journey. So I, I feel like they're going to do that, and I hope, but we will just have to wait and find out. And while we're waiting, we can rate the episode. So... How would you rate the episode on a scale of 1 to 10 Dream Helms? The point system is allowed. If you found the episode exceptional, deserving of more than a 10, you may grant it the coveted golden Dream Helm. Priscilla, maybe you were out getting us more Dream Helms last week, so I'll let you go first. More Dream Helms, because the last episode I was on, I rated it more than a perfect. But this, it's got a different feel to it. It's not as appointment tv as i liked the first episodes to be so i don't know but it was still good i would give it a nine it was interesting but i still am hoping for more all right starting off with a nine jeffrey where are you landon i'm giving it a golden dream helm i I held back on our previous podcast just because i feel feel like i've been handing them out you know, like bags of sand. And uh, that didn't make sense, but it worked in my head. Uh, but yeah, for me, it was fantastic. I mean, the amount of plot movement that we got, we got really interesting exposition. We got some more setup for clearly the final two episodes. But because we got some interesting payoff, Jed is out in the world. Yes, 
he's with the Corinthian. But the Corinthian actually did some good stuff, murking maybe the right people and not murking nice people. So there was that. And uh, just the the visual splendor that was Rose in the dreaming and dream hopping. All of it was just beautiful and wonderful that for me, it, it was just a perfect episode. I found myself just absolutely enjoying it. The cast is spectacular. We had so many characters in this episode, but it was balanced beautifully. I, I just, I can't give it anything else than, anything less than a golden dream helm. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I am going to continue the golden dream helm train because last episode I rated a 10 because it was great. I enjoyed it, but I mentioned that I felt like it was very foundational. This was the establishment of Rose's story arc of unity coming back. And it was really setting the stage for what is to come in this latter half of the series. We got the payoff in this episode. We had a lot of payoffs. We got a lot of information. Stories moved forward just enough to keep us going. They gave us enough to help us understand some bigger picture things that are happening and coming together. We've got the trail heading towards the Corinthian and Rose clearly having a confrontation as well as with Dream. Yeah, and everything that you both have said, I'll co-sign with as well. For me, I walked away from this feeling absolutely enraptured, engaged, and I loved it hands down. So Golden Dream Helm for me, and on that note, we will have to see what happens in the future. So join us next time for a brand new installment of The Waking Dream. Here's our announcer to remind you on how you can interact with us. Follow Poppy Chula Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Poppy Chula Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio programs by visiting poppychularadio.com archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Just search for The Waking Dream and subscribe. Thanks, announcer. My co-host, please wish the listeners a good night. Jeff? Sweet dreams, listeners. If you wake up with a pregnant belly, consult somebody, please. Take the morning after dream pill? Maybe. Maybe they make that in dreamland? Maybe. (laughs) Priscilla? Even nightmares can have dreams. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Subscribe to The Waking Dream via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. You can also download the entire series by visiting poppychuloradio.com backslash archives. Good night and unpleasant dreams. <laughs>